Nearly a decade ago, a group called uh, a group promoting something called Back to Church Sunday, National Back to Church Sunday, which I guess is really a thing, released a video addressing different reasons people have for not returning to church. The reasons for not going to church are familiar. I need to get my life together. They only care about my money. I'm just too busy, and the like. But the one that stuck, that struck me was this reason and how they responded to it. The church is filled with hypocrites. Yes, they answered, and there's always room for one more. <laughs> We've all heard that objection to Christian community, haven't we? I've heard it in one form or another my entire life, especially from those who think that I must think of myself as an especially holy person because I'm a pastor. If, that, if it isn't obvious by now that isn't true, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and to be fair, lack of love, hypocrisy, and self-serving behavior are nothing new among the people of God. If, God, if people had loved God and their neighbors, God wouldn't have had to send the prophets time and time again to call people back to that. Jesus wouldn't have, certainly wouldn't have needed to reiterate that command from Deuteronomy. He wouldn't have needed to encourage the disciples to love one another. Paul wouldn't have needed to urge the churches in Corinth to show consideration to the weaker members of the faith or to value those spiritual gifts which build up the community. And John, in this letter, wouldn't have had to point out the mismatch between professing love of God and hating one's brother or sister. We all struggle with loving God and with loving our neighbor sometimes. It can be especially difficult now, can it? When our collective resilience is at its lowest, where people seem to be angry and or snarky all the time, not a day goes by where I don't read something about how someone screamed at someone in a restaurant or got owned on social media. And in any case, it's often been difficult to love our neighbors, especially those in the church. Sometimes our fellow, we are, and our fellow church members are the hardest to love. Too often we're satisfied with ideals and platitudes. This is love in the Hallmark card sets. Nothing sums up Hallmark card love better for me than sitting in a seminary classroom at the beginning of my first year with all my colleagues and talking about what kind of community we were going to be. And I've told this story before, I'm sure, but it's just too fitting not to share again today. The students, including me, suggested attributes, you know, words for the board. What kind, we were going to be a tolerant community. We were going to be a grace-filled community. We were going to be a loving community. We were going to be a forgiving community. And we never had a discussion on what any of that was supposed to mean. The dean wrote those words and others liked them on the board and just left them there. We never talked about what any of these words meant, what it, what it might actually mean in real life to forgive someone who had really angered you, to show grace to someone. They just stayed there on the board. And sure enough, 
There was a big conflict at the seminary within a month. Instead of grace, love, or tolerance, there was vindictiveness, avoidance, and rage. Now that conflict was, was necessary. It probably had to happen. But the way it could have happened, the way we could have dealt with it as a community could have been better. Instead of grace, love, and tolerance, there was vindictiveness, avoidance, and rage. Hallmark card love can't love the flesh and blood person in front of us with all their problems, worries, and anxieties and the moral ambiguities of this life. Hallmark card love is powerless. Hallmark card love can only love a bloodless ideal. And that kind of love is no love at all. But with Jesus, God's love for us is made flesh and blood. God's love in Jesus is visible. It's real. We point to it. We proclaim it. And to the best of our spirit-given ability, we imitate it. This is so because Jesus himself both shows and tells what this kind of love is. Jesus doesn't just say, uh, love each other and, and not show us how to do that, not, not elaborate. Jesus elaborates plenty on that, especially in John's Gospel. There, Jesus tells his disciples, no one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that is exactly what Jesus does for his friends. The Lord of life laid down his life for all of us. And in the reading from 1 John, we hear, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's own self is fully present in the son and God's self, it's okay, the grammar is a little tricky. God makes us one with God. God does it on God's own initiative and power and, and, and out of God's own love. God makes us one with God. Atonement is truly at one meant. God in Christ doesn't just love us and make us at one with God when it's convenient. Neither does God in Christ love us only when we've got our life together, nor when we love according to his standards, nor when we are free from fear. Jesus loves us when we can't love, when we're unworthy of love, when we're at our lowest, when we're stuck in fictionary and in imaginary ideals out there without any skin on them. Despite the ways the church tries to tell, tear itself apart in every age, the love of Christ still works within the church and within people like you and me to make us one. And that love still works within us to cast out hate and fear. Even in a time like this, a time like this, where people are hoarding firearms and ammunition to protect themselves against their neighbors. Even now, when you can't turn on the television or your social media feed without seeing someone yell at someone else. Even in a time like this, the love of Christ, the real embodied love of Christ is present, bringing healing and hope to our world. And that love is still embodied 
calling us. We may or may not lay down our lives for others, but we can all certainly live for others, secure in who we are in Christ. This doesn't mean denigrating oneself or accepting abuse, not at all. The Christian life isn't about a perverse enjoyment of suffering. The Christian life is about loving others. It's about loving the flesh and blood other with everything that makes them lovable and unlovable. It means living for more than just oneself, even living for more than just a particular community of faith. The love of Christ is so much more expansive and so much more real than we can imagine. Let's be on guard against Hallmark card love and strive to live out Christ love, a love with skin on, a love that we can see. And God help us to remember that our genuine love for God and others comes out and only comes out of the love that God has, God in Christ has for us. Let us pray. Lord God, your Son, Jesus Christ, is the full embodiment of your love for humanity. As he loves us just as we are, help us to love others as they are. Save us from taking refuge in ideals. In his name we pray. Amen.